This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Blair and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Hi, I'm Nikki. I'm an alcoholic. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thank you. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has hold of you, the progression of symptoms is, is, is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as the sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognize it and admit that they have it. One definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body, coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who has just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who is going to share their experience of alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Uh, would our guests like to introduce themselves and give us a quick sketch of who you are? Hi, my name is Nikki. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, um, Nikki. I am a mother of two, mm-hmm. um, recently separated from my husband, right. and uh, six months into my sobriety. Cool. 
Excellent. So six months sober uh, and with the kids there. Um, so tell us, tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up for you. Uh, growing up, I um, probably normal normal Kiwi family, um, mum and dad, um, two normal sets of grandparents, uh, two younger siblings, brother and sister. Um, one parent probably, well, definitely drank too much, mm-hmm. um, probably still does, and I've got a sibling that um, excels and was probably put on a pedestal. Another sibling who has done very well for himself, um, but again, he probably tends to drink too much. Right. Um, yeah, so it's pretty normal, normal, um, normal upbringing, really. I think. Yeah. Cool. Pretty normal upbringing. Um, and so you've mentioned there was a little bit of drinking in the family. Um, when did you start drinking, and and how did that progress? Um, I probably started. I probably hit well, uh, normal little. Cup, little small glass at um, Christmas Day, cold, whatever, whatever it was, cold duck or whatever it was, um, <laughs> yuck. Um, and um, yeah, mum and dad would have the odd party and stuff like that, so we always were there to clean up glasses and stuff like that. So I guess there was the uh, the usual as you do when you're growing up, you have a mouthful of this and a mouthful of that. Right. Um, but actual drinking. Probably had my first real drink at 14, um, did all the usual um, other, you know, things that you do as a teenager growing up, um, got involved with uh, with smoking a bit of weed and, um, yeah, just uh, sneaking out and having good time and, and whatnot as teenagers do. Probably drinking um, really was Friday, Saturdays, Fridays and Saturdays initially. Um, then I, I moved out of home at 20. Um, we were probably at that point, yeah, we probably partied a bit harder then. Well, when I say a bit harder, the party would start on a Thursday night and finish on a Sunday morning, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, and then I moved to Australia. Um, and yeah, we, as all good Kiwis do when they're living in Sydney, moved to Bondi and partied hard. Right. Um, <laughs> And yeah, so but our drinking was no no different. What I perceived to be no different to anybody else that I was associating with. Mm-hmm. All of our friends kind of drank the same way and partied hard. And yeah, like I say, we smoked a bit of weed, but you know, drugs as as a whole was not really a um, a major issue. Um, and we knew like there was I was training, um, you know, active at the gym, holding down a job, and um, yeah, just it was that was just the norm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we moved back, we moved back to back to New Zealand to have a family. Again, we were still um, still partying on the weekends and whatnot, but we'd probably have a drink every night, my husband and I. And um, yeah, so I guess that was just sort of what I perceived to be normal. And right. I guess it probably still is like the norm in majority of um, majority of homes. Mm-hmm. Um, so because you thought it was the norm. Uh, did you ever feel that was a bit of a problem, or did you ever try and stop drinking? No, not at that time. It right. was just that's that's what you do when you're young. You party hard, mm-hmm. have fun. So, and it was fun for the most part. Um, yeah, I remember we just got up to yeah normal teenage or normal growing up sort of hijinks. Really, mm-hmm. no one was ever really hurt, or we didn't commit any major crimes or anything like that. But. Um, yeah, there was it was fun and it was borderline fun if you know what I mean. Borderline right. on the <laughs> on the line of what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 
throughout. Um, I got married. I was um, got married in '95, and um, yeah, we we living in Australia at the time. We'd come home to get married. We went back. We travelled around Australia just before we moved back. That sort of was the start of really drinking every day because right. we were holidaying mm-hmm. basically. Um, yeah, came back, got a house, got another house, um, and settled down to have family. Okay. All right. Uh, and so after that progression, what made you realise that you maybe needed some help with the drinking? What was the turning point? Um, turning point was probably this year. Um, I Last year my husband left me. Um, right. Just walked out after 35 years of being together. Not 35 years of marriage, but 35 years together. And I guess I'd probably known that the writing had been on the wall. I'd taken on a pretty high-stress job. Um that probably a lot of it I created myself and the fact that I allowed myself to be put in situations that I probably should have just walked away from. Um, and, yeah, long hours, really long hours. And um, I let the job probably take control of my life. And, um, yeah, he kind of – he didn't like that. And, of course, it, it led to me, you know, doing 12, 14-hour days, coming home, having a drink, Basically, having two or three, sculling two or three drinks, getting into a chill spot, have some dinner, maybe, maybe not, and then just fall into bed and get up again at sort of four o'clock the next morning and start the whole process again. Right. So, um, yeah, I guess the writing was on the wall. Yeah. Um, we've both, both of us have had some major illnesses throughout our life, so there was always an excuse the poor me. Um, I've got an excuse to have a drink, yeah. you know. I'm surviving this, I'm surviving that. You know, most most people, most couples don't have to put up with the shit that we've had to put up with. Right. Um, so, yeah, it was, um, yeah, I guess it was a progressional thing, really. Right. Um, and probably for the last, um, I resigned from my job earlier this year. Um, I... If, yeah, one of my one of my sons said to me, Mum, something's gotta give you drinking or the job. So like all good alcoholics, mm. I chucked my job in. Right. Um and yeah, I resigned I resigned in January, left in April. Um and once I'd actually resigned, the actual there was a lot of stress removed. So my drinking kind of curbed a wee bit, which was really good. Um, but then when I actually finished work, um, it only taught me a couple of weeks to realise that it was just a slippery slide to hell. Um, I was getting up and having a drink in the morning and that was kick-starting my day. Um, and it got to the point where I really wasn't sleeping properly right. and it was just, I guess, the stress of everything over the last few years had just kind of snowballed until, yeah, it reached a breaking point um, right. in May. So, yeah. And so I sought help, um, which wasn't that easy to come by, funnily enough. Mm -hmm. Um, At that point, I had no, had never even considered coming to AA. That wasn't what I was, that wasn't what I was achieving. I was looking to get my life back on track, get my health back on track. There was no way I was going to go and sit my ass on a a chair in an AA meeting. Um, Uh, And what, and so what, what changed that? What actually got you to your first meeting? A rehab. Right. Um, yeah, so I spent, I through fighting medical, um, 
you know, practices, etc. I um, I knew I needed help and I knew I couldn't do it on my own. I knew I needed some form of intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, I had tried to, and I successfully, you know, last year had gone two or three days without a drink. Right. But there was always that thing as soon as I'd have a, my next drink, it wasn't just a drink or even a bottle of wine. It was anything I could get my hands on, and that mm-hmm. was it. And then, yeah, so, which I knew was not normal. That was not the normal, that's not normal drinking. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I guess I, yeah, I spent five days in hospital here. Yeah. Detoxing, and um, then I went to a private rehab in the North Island and spent five weeks up there. Yeah. Um, while I was up there, I had a breakdown. Um I guess my body just had said enough's enough and said, yeah, you can't do this. And now you've stopped the alcohol as well. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, with the, so, yeah. So, um, but through the rehab, I was probably, I don't remember my first meetings. Right. I've heard people share in meetings that they remember, you know, very clearly their very first meeting. I couldn't tell you the first five meetings I went to. Right. Um, the only thing I can tell you about them is that we went to the same meetings every week. Right. So yeah. that's why I know I was at those meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you when you sort of do start to recall meetings, what were the members like there? How were people treating you at those people meetings? People were amazing. They just there was no no judgment. People were so welcoming, friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you were made to feel really special. You were made to feel like you were the most special person in the room. Cool. And there was yeah, so yeah. And how did that make you feel in those rooms? Yeah, initially I was um, initially I was still trying to fight it that. Mm-hmm. Um, like this, I could do this, I'll do this rehab, I'll go home and then I'll do it Nikki's way. But um, no, nah, I don't think Nikki's way is very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and and so since that that initial time period of the of the rehab and then the, the meetings, how have you managed to stay sober? Describe that process of recovery for you since okay. then. Okay, so I, um, yeah, we were doing probably a meeting, almost a meeting a day, not mm-hmm. quite, um, and through the rehab there was I was doing counselling as well um, and the counsellor kind of had said that you know there was this thing of 90 meetings in 90 days right. so I said I was going to do that um, when I came back to Christchurch I was into week 6 of sobriety at that point mm-hmm. when I hit Christchurch I started my first meeting the very next day and um, I was only in the, probably the last three or four weeks that I've actually not done a meeting every day. Um, it almost become, AA almost became, an, has almost become an obsession the same way as what my drinking was. Um, but there's something about it when you walk into a room. And like, I listen to people sharing. I don't always agree with what people share. Yeah. Um, but somewhere, somehow it hits a note in me and it may not, yeah, may not. Re- I'll sit and reflect on it maybe two or three days later when there's something that's relevant to me. I can take from from someone sharing. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's um, it's majority of meetings are an hour a week. Um, it's not a lot to, or sorry, an hour a day. Mm-hmm. Sorry, um, <clears throat> it's not a lot to give up considering the amount of time I actually did spend drinking at the end. Um, yeah, and I just this yeah, there's um. It's just, I don't know, I can't explain it. There's something when you walk into the rooms that there's just a feeling of ex- of being accepted, um, that you're with like-minded people. Um, we're all from different backgrounds, but it doesn't seem to make any difference when you're actually in, a, mm-hmm. in, an, in an AA meeting room. So, yeah. 
So, and, and aside from those meetings, uh, what other tools or strategies have you used to to keep yourself sober in the tough times? Yeah, so um, I was I was pretty fortunate that I did the five weeks in a rehab mm-hmm. um, because they they're really big on doing like on on this twelve step program, right? And they're huge on on putting together a, a really robust toolbox. Right. And I have dug deep into that a few times, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, and yeah, I guess. Yeah, with with having the toolbox and knowing that I needed to get a sponsor straight away, I actually got a sponsor within two weeks of being um, back in Christchurch. And initially it was daily contact. And whilst the the sponsor, my sponsor was very supportive, um, she uh, has, yeah, she's pushed me along through the steps, but not at a pace that's out of my control. Um, Yeah, and... It's um yeah, so I've been working the steps and doing a bit of service right. where I can mm-hmm. and yeah, just um yeah, trying to to live the AA way. And how has that service been helpful for you in your recovery? Um, I guess it's just that knowing that I'm giving something back to to another alcoholic or yeah, someone that's suffering that hopefully mm-hmm. um yeah, that I can do something for them that, that other members have done for me. Cool. Oh, I like, it. I love it. Um, and how would you describe yourself and your life you today? You know, uh, how do you feel within you, with inside yourself, or changes that's happened in that sobriety time? Um, my life at the moment is pretty hard. Um, unfortunately, I have a pretty major health issue at the moment that um, possibly alcohol has not. Um, alcohol is not the major contributing factor to it, mm-hmm. but it probably my drinking hasn't didn't help it. But unfortunately, it's a um, it's a kickback from uh, previous um, treatment I had for another um, terminally terminal disease that um, I decided to go with the treatment, and unfortunately, the the treatment has um, has now affected my heart, and I only found out this week that there's a high chance I won't work again, right. which is fairly um, fairly tough to to cope with. Um, there's the woe is me tend to, I've had a couple of days of wallowing and self-pity, which mm. is not great. Um, that's not where a good, that's not where an alcoholic should sit because if we sit too much in our own heads, it's um, not a good place. But but having said that, um, the fact that I have got six months sobriety under my belt and that I have got the fellowship and um, I can pick up the phone at any time mm. and ring somebody um, that I've got my toolbox and I've got just, yeah, the, the big book, although I'm a bit naughty, I don't probably re- put as much reading into that as what I probably should. Um, but I've got all those tools that actually um, are yeah, making me stop and pause and actually th- try and get away from the the woe is Nikki and um, yeah. think, well, at least I'm, I'm alive and sober facing this. So there is a bit of a more of a mindset of sort of hope there. Yeah, I think so. Hey, I mean, and there was was very daunting and has been, and I must admit, <clears throat> especially at this time of the year, um, you know, it's pretty hard to to face that you're not going to have another another drink. Um, that you know, I know if I have another drink, it will kill me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I've got it in me to actually fight back another lot of recovery. Um, I know people do relapse, and um, I say good on them if they they manage to get back into the rooms. But I don't know that I've got the actual physical strength to 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 do that. So yeah. I mean, it's it's it's. I'm in a great place as far as I know that I can get in my car at any time and drive and not worry about being pulled over. Um, yeah, that I'm 
relatively clear-headed to nice. make rational decisions um, and that I, I can stop and pause and actually think about my reaction before I just like kick into the old Nicky ways. Gotcha, yeah. Um, and obviously with AA there's some aspects of spirituality in our program and it's not a religious program. What does spirituality sort of mean to you just, just roughly? Um, yeah, so I guess so. Yeah, when I first came into AA, all I saw was was the Serenity Prayer, and its first word is God. Um, and I kind of went, "Ooh, this is probably not for me." But it's all about spirituality, and, and you know, right from day one, I was you know, you need to to get in touch with your higher power. And I've struggled a little bit with what my higher power was, um, but it's something that I can that I can hand my will and my life over to mm-hmm. um, something that I believe and everyone's higher power is different and some people's some people say that that changes on a daily basis I believe that you know if I'm in a bad place and I go into a meeting my higher power at that point is actually the um, energy that's nice. coming out of a meeting yeah. um, other times it's just it comes from within me you know like it's in my soul and I and I can just yeah just pause and ask for help or guidance um, and I guess when I'm saying it's within myself it's me knowing that I actually sit and stop and actually make the right decisions yeah cool gotcha um, thanks thanks so much for that and um, what would you suggest for any listeners who may have a drinking problem or uh, where could they go or what questions might you get them to ask to sort of identify what's actually going on if you think you have a drinking problem or you're just yeah just questioning your drinking my suggestion is that um, you can contact the AA service centre on the 0800 number. There's always somebody there to answer, pick up the phone, um, or come along to a meeting. That it doesn't cost you anything, apart from apart from your time. Um, no one's judgmental, or seek medical. Um, to speak to your doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, speak to other other speak to speak to your friends and family. Um, you may not like the answer, but you will get an honest answer out of people that are nearest to you. Mm-hmm. That, um, yeah, that maybe you do have a drinking problem. Um, yeah, so yeah, there's plenty of options out there. But um, you, as the drinking, as the drinker or the alcoholic, it's up to you to actually reach out and ask for help. Thank you so much, Nikki, um, and thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your story with us. That's right. No worries at all. Okay, so for our listeners. If you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the website at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely that there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experience. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plans FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plans FM website at plansfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with the serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, God grant me the serenity, serenity to, to accept, accept the things, things I cannot change, change courage to change, change the things I can, and the, the wisdom, wisdom to know, know the, the difference. difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.